0: If you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the book of James. We're going to finish this morning was part two on the, the war within, the war that's raging and we have to battle that's inside of us, and our war with God and our war with others. And then tonight we'll just finish that up. The title of the message tonight is Having a Ceasefire. Having a Ceasefire. And we keep hearing that... People are telling our president in Israel they need to have a ceasefire. That's not where we're going with this. But a ceasefire is when you stop the shooting. And so we want to talk about that. So if you did not hear this morning's message, I hope you'll listen to it later on a podcast or something. But uh, James chapter 4, we're going to look at uh, probably 15 or 16 scriptures tonight. And I hope you'll see them uh, because uh, someone said you remember 90% of what you see and only 10% of... So here we are, James chapter number of what you hear. I know, I, I, yeah, I was going to say it. James 4, let's look please, verse 1 through 11. I want you to look at this please. Here we are, James 4, 11, And it says, from whence come wars and fightings among you. In other words, why are we fighting husbands and wives? Uh, why are we fighting children and parents, uh, why are we fighting uh, Christians and Christians? Uh, why are we fighting with the Lord? Why are, we, uh, why are we so fired up and so mean sometimes? Here's where it comes from. Come thee not hence of your lusts. And that's not talking about immorality. It's talking about desires. Uh, we're wanting some things. And if we don't get them, we get angry. Sometimes that what we want is certain treatment. Certain honor. Well, they never had me stand up and cheer for me. Uh, that sort of thing. You know, I never, I never get honored. I never get recognized or whatever it is. It says, even of your lusts at war in your members. Your members is talking about your body, whether it's your, your, your hands to text or your mouth to speak or attitude. Verse 2, Ye lust or desire. You have not. You just can't get what you want from people. You kill, you desire to have, and cannot obtain. Happiness is just always out of your reach. Ye you fight and war, yet ye have not. And here's the reason we war, because we don't pray. And that's what that word ask means. Because you ask not. It means because we don't have a steady... I want all the young people looking this way now. All the teenage eyes up here. All right, thank you. Uh, uh, because we're... we're we're, we're not spending time in a great walk with the Lord. Then he says, verse 3: ye ask when we do pray and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. When we do pray, we only ask for stuff for us. We rarely pray for anybody else, rarely pay for, pray for a lost soul. It's all about us. Verse 6: He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. Now, why would he put that verse right there when he's talking about praying? Here's why. Proud people do not pray. They don't need anything. They don't need him. I'll call you when I need you. I'm doing pretty good right now. A humble person has got to pray. They can't do anything without the Lord. And then he says in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. How do you do that? By praying. By praying, getting alone and just getting on your knees if you can't. If you can't get on your knees, sit in a chair, jog, drive, commute. Uh, and he shall lift you up, verse 11. Speak not evil one of another brethren. Who would do that? Someone that's at war. Someone who has having a war inside of themselves. After a while it comes out. It comes out in the words. Speak not evil one of another brethren. He that speaketh of his uh, uh, evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if uh, if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. We're going to pray. And then I want to look at about seven or eight of the verses. I want to give you, I think it's uh, uh, several thoughts and then we'll be done here. Father, bless now the reading of thy word. We've meditated, thought, prayed. Sometimes a message is going to be all positive. Sometimes it's going to be a good bit of rebuke or negative. Tonight, we just want to cease the war in our hearts and prevent wars in the future. Lord, you really want our homes to be home, sweet home, not home, mean home. And we want that Osean from the stories and lived happily ever after. We really want that. Our nation is so angry and so mad. People are killing each other. They're hurting each other. They're ramming cars to each other. They're bombing each other. They're torturing each other. And Lord, we're to be epitomized as love. And I pray that we'd be like you. So help us tonight. If it hits us on the chin or stomps on the feet, help it be something we take and say, I needed it. Thank you for the couple of men before the service that said, Pastor, why don't you turn up the heat tonight? Won't you let us have it? We can take it. Turn it up. I like that. So help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are. We're in the book of James. Turn back a page, if you will. James chapter 1, verse 26. James 1, 26. Do we need the air on? It is. Muggy. Thank you. Thank you. All right. James 1, verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. So God is there uh, uh, encouraging us, control our mouth and our words. And then flip back to the book of Proverbs, this wise book here. And uh, here's what the wise uh, man says to us in Proverbs chapter number 17, if you will. Proverbs 17. And you may want to Uh, circle some of these. You may call them tongue tamers. Tongue tamers. And so uh, 17 of Proverbs and look down at verse number 28. Even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Someone said never lose an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. I thought that's pretty good. And then Let's look a little further here in chapter 18 and verse 21. Death and life or in the power of the tongue. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Anybody ever been hurt by words when you were a kid? Man, you got big ears. Look at your nose. Look at your complexion. People, people say mean things and we don't forget them, do we? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Here's another verse, important verse. Chapter 21, if you will. Chapter 21 of Proverbs and verse number 23. 21 of Proverbs, verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth keepeth his job. No, no, no that's a different one. I'm sorry. Uh, man, I did, man, I went to work and just told the boss what I thought. Well, uh, you're looking for another job? And so, twenty-one, twenty-three. Whoso keepeth his mouth, you could say shut, and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. I wonder how many fights have started physically that started with words. I wonder how many fights have started non-physical with texts, with attitudes, with actions. And so, that's what he says. And then if you'll look over in chapter 29 for a moment, 29 for a moment. He said, oh, pastor, I'm getting a carpal tunnel, turning all these pages. So 29 and verse number 20, look at this one. And it says, seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? The words just came out. There is more hope of a fool than of him. And then let's go back a little bit to Psalm chapter number 141, if you will. Psalms 141, and verse number 3. David is uh, writing this psalm. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. In other words, have some guards. Standing guard right in front of my mouth. He says, keep the door of my lips. Lord, help me keep my mouth shut. I do pretty good till it opens. And then, if you'll look a little further here in... um, Oh, uh, 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 Psalm uh, 19, if you will. Psalm 19, and this, uh, this great psalm that's put to music. Psalm 19 and verse number 14. And he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Wonder how many of our words... In the last month or so, the Lord would not accept statements we've made, things we've said to people, attitudes, texts, uh, just a, a little, just uh, the Lord would not look down and say, Boy, I'm very pleased by that. And David says, Let every word I say be acceptable to you. What a, what a, what a great goal. And then if you'll look a little bit further into the New Testament, let's look over to Matthew chapter number. 12. Matthew chapter 12, and I might give you some statements in just a moment if you want to write, write one down or something. But Matthew chapter 12, these are tongue tamers to help us with our tongue. Um, fellows. if you're single and you're here right now, uh, you're going to find out that your words, you can speak words that your wife hears that causes tears to come down her cheeks. It's the strangest thing. Words cause tears. And you're going to find that out. You're going to say, I do. And then you're going to find out you've made your wife cry. You're going to say something that's going to make her upset. She's going to cry. And you're going to say, what is it? Say, words are powerful. Uh, We can say words and people get saved. We can say words and someone heads to the mission field. We can say words and a discouraged person is now encouraged. We can say words and someone sets a direction for their life. They're powerful. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 36, Jesus says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, you do know this. We will be judged for our words. You say, Well, I was upset. We will be judged for our words. Well, I was discouraged. We will be judged for our words. You say, Well, well, why is that important? Well, let's look at Luke for just a moment. Luke chapter 6. Pastor, this is too many verses. Okay, let's go back to Genesis 1. Let's do the whole Bible tonight. Okay. Uh, uh, Luke 6 and verse 45. By the way, Miss Buds, good to see you here. Give you a little shout out. Uh, And uh, this is Mark's mom. And uh, she's from Elgin, Illinois. Worked for Dr. Keith Gomez for three decades and did not go nuts. And so... uh, But uh, Luke chapter number 6, verse 45. 645, Jesus says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. Here it is. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Now here it is. The reason it came out of our mouth was because it was already in our heart. I was in Spain years ago, Brother Sawyer, and we're, we're getting in this elevator. I'm on this Israel tour, and so I jump in this elevator, and then this lady gets in. She's a part of the group. She wasn't with the, it, it was just me. I wasn't leaving the group, but I get in this little small elevator in Spain. I put my suitcase in. She jumps in, puts her suitcase in. The door closes on her suitcase, and she said, oh, blank, and it was a cuss word. She was a part of the Christian group traveling to Israel. And I looked and I said, do what? She said, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't cuss. (laughs) And I said, well, what was that? Uh, It came out because it was already in the heart. So let me give you several statements here tonight. Well, just one more verse. I know it's not enough so far, but Philippians chapter four. Let's look at this. Pastor, how do, you, how do you do this ceasefire? How do, you, how do you settle this anger toward your mate? How do you settle this anger toward a past mate, an ex-mate? A, uh, a, uh, uh, someone that's hurt you, someone that's let you down. How do you deal with this war? Here it is, Philippians chapter uh, number 4 and verse number 8. And Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and I'm going to, yeah, yeah, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, how do we affect that war inside of us? It's all what we think about. You think about those pure things and holy things and godly things. And guess what's going to be in your heart? A lot of peace. Peace. Uh, You don't think about those things, then there's going to be a lot of war. We see it all over the news. There's war, there's war, there's terrorism, there's bombings. But there's a lot of destruction going on in hearts. So actions that would help a ceasefire, just want to give them to you. If it doesn't apply, just say, man, I'm glad so-and-so was here tonight and they heard this. So here you go. Number one, avoid giving opinions when you're not asked. It will just help you in life. It'll help you in marriage. It'll help you with your relatives. Get this. So um, at my mother's funeral, my brother does not have hair like me. He's got hair, but it's white. And it looks like he stuck his finger in the socket. I kid you not. It looks like Albert Einstein. And it's not just long. It's out. I mean, it's like... And that's how his hair looks. (coughs) And so, guess what? He didn't ask me. No one there asked me how they looked. I didn't give my opinion. In 66 years, I've never given my opinion. How come? He didn't ask. Well, how come my, my, my dad doesn't come to church on Sunday night? Uh, well, if he doesn't ask you, don't give you opinion. See, we're all opinionated. We could be talk show hosts. What's that guy that died? Uh, Some people liked him. Real conservative. uh, uh, Rush Rush Limbaugh. He died. Who else died? Larry King. Who else died? A lot of people have died. Billions of people have died. But here's these people. And here's what. uh, You listen to all that talk show stuff. And pretty soon you think you have to give an opinion on everybody and everything. You do well just to cut it out. You wonder why it gets stirred up and people get mad and there's there's arguments. Uh, Here's a family reunion. Uh, 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 One guy said, he said, I've watched so much football. It's just permeated my mind. He said, we were at the Thanksgiving meal and they said, pass me the turkey. He said, I spiked it. (laughs) I think his name was Bob Hope. He said that. Avoid giving opinions when not asked. Well, you think so-and-so ought to do such-and-such? They didn't ask. Well, you think so-and-so, uh, you, know, you know, they didn't ask. So-and-so is going to move. do uh, well, you think uh, they didn't ask me. Number one, don't give opinions. Do what you want to do. Have a war. Number two, don't turn into a Pharisee. Look over to uh, the book of Luke, Luke 18 for a moment. This is, this is a wonderful little passage. I want to apply it here. I'm hurrying. Luke 18 and looking down into verse number 10. Luke 18, verse number 10. says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Notice who he prayed to. Himself. He prayed thus with himself. God. And I'm sure his voice changed when he prayed. And it was three syllables. God. G-A-W-O-O-O-W-D. God. I thank Thee that I am not as other men are, like him. I'm sure he was pointing while he was praying. His eyes were opened. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Notice all the eyes. Where's God in this? That's the Pharisee. The publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, we never want to become a Pharisee. A Pharisee is someone that's always better than someone else. I'm the best soul winner in the church. I pray more than everybody else. This church couldn't do without me. I bet I'm the number one member. And, and, and soon you're looking down on other, and you're comparing yourself to other people. You never want to do that. You want to be like the publican, humbled. Don't compare yourself to others. It's a sin to compare yourself to others. Don't turn into a Pharisee. The Pharisees, it was all show. All show. My sin's smaller than your sin. My sin's, you know, and that sort of thing. Number three. Number three, third statement, to have a ceasefire. Stop judging out of your area. I want you to look to Matthew 7 just for a moment here. These are just all great people skills. Things we're giving you tonight, helping you with relationships, marriages, friendships, long-lasting relationships, uh, uh, working out friction and toil, turmoil. Uh, Matthew 7. Look at this. What What a great passage. It's right in the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. Twice that word's used. Why would God say that? Because He's the judge. There's only one person ever gets it right totally. Whether it's this, this president going on trial, or this president going to be impeached, or this person's going to... Uh, uh, only one person knows all the facts. Only one. And so He says, Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote or the speck that is in thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Here's what he's saying there quickly. He's saying... Don't be a fault finder. Don't be looking for fault in someone else or someone else's kids or someone else's marriage or someone else's personal business. Just keep your nose out of the business. Important. Someone says, Well, well, so and so, have you ever seen? And and here's what he's saying. As we look and find a fault, by the way, you look at anybody in our church close enough, get to know them close enough, you're going to find some fault. Because last time I checked, we are still sinners, saved by grace. We don't have glorified bodies yet. Well, just a few of us. And uh, none of us have glorified bodies yet. We're not going to get that up there. Don't expect it. And so sometimes we're going to see some inconsistency. We're going to see a sin. We're going to see a fault in someone. But if we're not careful, there's a two-by-four sticking out of our eye. And everyone sees it but us. It's like that old cartoon. You remember the girl with the nail in her head? And she says, John, we need to talk. He said, "Uh, excuse me, but you got to... Hey, don't you mention the nail in my head. Stop telling me that. But you got a nail in your head. Stop talking. And here's this nail out of this woman. Crazy. Anyway, watch the cartoon later. You'll see it. But it's saying sometimes we have this stick coming out of our eye. Everyone sees it but us. We're trying to help someone with this little speck in their eye. Don't be a judge. Don't do that. You say, well, what is that stick? Here it is. It's a lack of love. When you love somebody, you're not always nitpicking at their life. Hey, shirt's wrinkled. Hey, shoes. Hey, hey, this. Hey, shoes aren't shining. Hey, this. Hey, sit. Hey, hey, do it. it, it's, It's... When you love someone, you don't want to see all the faults. You get married on the honeymoon, you don't say, Hey, I've been writing down a list. There's 400 things you need to correct. you got some prop. When you're in love, you don't see any of that. Hey, you didn't cook all week. Well, I'm going to live on love. And I don't care if you cook or clean or iron. See, you don't think of that till later. Stop judging out of your area. Now, this also includes this, and I must hasten. So that means this. Sometimes you're going to be the leader and you're going to have to judge. You're the school teacher. Here's a kid pulling someone's hair. All right, so what are you going to do? You got to do something. You shouldn't have pulled the hair. So, so what's the penalty? Is it suspension? Is it chewing out? You have to stay in class? Is it a phone call to the parent? What? What do you do? We all have an opinion. I've said it before, here's a choir member sings on Sunday night. Then on Monday they're staggering down the street and they're drunk or they're high on some substance and someone confronts them and you can smell it all over them or you can see it in their dilated pupils. Probably they shouldn't sing in the choir next Sunday. So what do you do? Whoever's in charge has to decide, what are we gonna do with this person? Do we crucify them? Do we stone them in the parking lot? Do we make them read a statement to the whole church? What is fair? You kind of see what I'm saying? Some of you would say, well, man, just, uh, man, just have him get out for a while, get some counseling, get in the, uh, the well ministry, give him six weeks or so and get over that hump. And uh, 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 Once he's got it, well, man, get him back serving. Others would say, he's blown it. He should never be in the choir again. What a failure. He's desecrated the name of Christ. One is real extreme, one is... oh. So what's fair? So what God wants us to do is, if it's not your call, stay out of it. Well, I heard so-and-so's kid did such-and-such, and they grounded them for two months. Okay? They're not your kid. Let the parents deal the call. It's their business. It's not your business. Moving right along... Number four, never criticize a church member in front of your kids or behind their back. James 4.11, speak not evil, one of another, brethren. You can speak evil of non-Christians, I guess all you want, but if they're saved, speak not evil, one of another, brethren. What's that mean? That means the church ought to look real calm. And it ought to be, those people sure are good. It ought to be when your kids come home, man, we got a good church. We got some good people in our church. You start nitpicking everybody in the church and so-and-so and you know this and they've been married four times and this one used to be in jail and this happened and that happened and this, I think he smokes and smells like he still drinks and, and pretty soon, No leadership. No, one's, no one to look up to. Al Bartlett, whose granddaddy wrote Victory in Jesus, said it in the men's meeting. He said, the reason I'm serving God is we never heard our parents ever say anything negative about the preacher or any church member the whole time we grew up. He said, serving God just looked so appealing. That's why... I'm in the ministry, my kids in the ministry, my dad was in the ministry for generations. We never criticized anybody in the church. That's that's not my statement. That's Al Bartlett. Al Bartlett. His address is one four two four. Okay. Never be critical. And sometimes we just have a blind spot and, it's, and it just comes out. We just, we just say things. I was in the fellowship hall years ago. I was trying to relive this. And I was speaking to someone. I try to speak to one person at a time. Are you like that? <laughs> and after the service, after church, it's like piranha hour. If you're a bus worker, every kid wants a piece of the bus cap. Oh, I need a, a can. Where's that cane? It's, it. it's crazy. So I was in the fellowship hall, and someone was talking to me. And I was was trying to be focused, and a lady walked up past her. I said, just a minute, i got to finish this conversation. She went ballistic. I still remember her name. You never speak to me. You never. And she's screaming. Never have time to talk. You're always too And she screamed all the way out the fellowship hall. I mean, you know, it was almost like a movie. It's like, are you? Is, it, is this being filmed? Is this like Alfred Hitchcock or something? And oh, it was, it, it, and uh, all the way out to the car. And I said, "Wow, a little bit overboard for you know the pastor." I'll be there in just a minute. Then her husband walked by. See what I got to live with. That's what he said to me. He said, I got to put up with that all the time. Probably she needed to be on medication and I'm not even a doctor. Number next. Stop talking about people. Jesus talked about people usually when they weren't around. But it was always good. Oh, you've heard of John the Baptist? There's no greater man than him born of woman. Oh, the man who wants uh, the centurion servant's uh, heal. I've never seen so great faith. When you talk about people, brag on them. If you can't brag on them, just say nothing. Someone said, if you can't say something positive about somebody, let's hear it. Number next, we have to hasten. Stop making excuses for our spiritual life. Well, Pastor, we were just kind of raised this way. You know, the way I was raised, and my dad, and my mom. Uh, we have King Saul. Uh, we don't have time to deal with it. But in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel confronts King Saul and he says, did you kill all the Amalekites? He said, you know, I did. And they argue back and forth. And he said, I did. Obey the Lord. He said, no, you didn't. He said, I did. And they're arguing back and forth. He's got all these excuses. Number next. Stop making excuses for your kids. Start correcting them. Quote. Clint Cavanaugh's. I didn't say that. Clint Cavanaugh's said that. Well, they're just tired. Well, they didn't have supper. Well, they're bored. Well, the preaching's over their head. Uh, Well, you know, they're just energetic. We have all these excuses when really we need to correct our kids. Okay? Thank you, Brother Cavanaugh's, for writing the book we don't read. And number next. Learn to turn off a critic. Learn to turn off a critic. Sometimes there's going to be people and they're just going to run their mouth. It doesn't mean they're a wicked person. I do not believe you take your shoe off and pop them on the head if they're critical. You know, it's maybe a little extreme. Now, if you have a high heel, yes. And, uh, but sometimes there's going to be just someone and they're just fired up. They're upset. Look, give them, give them, give them, give them, give them a write-off. Don't, don't put their whole life into one day of action. Everyone gets one bad day in a marriage, in a church, in life. Give them a little slack. But don't receive it. You know, I just don't think the pastor should sing the solo in that song. We've got so many gifted people in this church, like you, right? How come he sings the song? How come he gets to do that? Uh, look, don't just take that in. You need to say, "Okay, are oh, you done yet?" Okay, number one, are you in the choir? Oh, oh, so you don't want to be a part of the solution? You want to help? Once you join the choir, maybe they'll give that part to you. Why don't you audition for that part? Look, learn to turn off a critic. Someone's talking about someone. Oh, hold it right there. If you were in their shoes, you probably wouldn't do any better. We're not going to hear any more about it. Case dismissed. Or if you like, let's just grab arms. Let's just go talk to them right now in person. Let's go over and let's... Man, you're so fired up. Let's let you talk to them in person right now. Come on. Say, most critics are good at criticizing by text, by post, Over the phone, rarely in person. Why? Because they're missing a backbone. It's it's, it's difficult to walk without a backbone. Say, Pastor, I can't even believe you would say that. Well, that's the nicest thing I'm going to say tonight. So here we are. Learn to turn off a critic. And I want to say this as well. Learn to take rebuke. Learn to take rebuke. Here it is in Psalm 141. Psalms 141. Years ago, Mrs. Evans was with Carol Tudor and uh, she rebuked her about something. She said, Carol, here's what you should have done with that. If you want to be a great Christian, here's what you need to do. Carol Tudor didn't talk to her for about three weeks. Later on, she saw Mrs. Evans and Mrs. Evans said, Carol, I'm kind of surprised. I really thought you wanted to grow. You told me to help you grow. And if I saw anything to correct you and I corrected you, now you don't want to talk. I'm kind of surprised how cool you are. Notice what Psalm 141 says, verse 5. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. He's saying to a wise person when they're reproved and corrected, it's thank you had that old high karate commercial. You remember years ago? Slap, slap, thanks. I needed that. And sometimes that's what we need as well. I'll list the last three. We're out of time. Number next, hidden sin. Hidden sin. When we can't sing, we can't smile, and we can't laugh, there's usually some hidden sin. David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Number next, we're almost to the end. If we're going to stop the war, stand up and lead the family. Stand up and lead the family. Kids should not be leading the family. We going to church? I don't know. Ask mom. Uh, I don't know. Let's ask the kids. The kids determine if we go to church, I guess they're running the family. Mom's not supposed to run the home if there's a dad in the home. It's got to be dad. Dad's got to lead by example. Dad's got to lead by, man, here's what we're going to do. I still remember my dad got saved. And the first day he got saved, he said, we're going to, uh, he, uh, he tried. He said, we're going to turn off the television. We're, we're reading the Bible tonight. He was trying to lead. Encouraging wives. We were at a church service years ago when I was in Bible college. I learned a lot by just watching. It was an evening service that happened to be the Super Bowl night and the pastor kept cutting up referring to there being a TV in the, in the pulpit and he was just cutting up laughing. At the end of the service there were several people came forward that got saved. And so he's reading the names and Mr. and Mrs. Uh, 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 Smith got saved, Mr. and Mrs. Jones got saved, and uh, Jose got saved, and uh, Sammy got saved, Then he said, and... Uh, 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 and I'm just going to pick out a name. And uh, uh, John and John Jr., the dad and the son, they both got saved, and they're going to be baptized tonight. And people started cheering, and they stood up, and started to walk to get baptized. And a woman stood up. They are not. And the pastor's behind the pulpit. He said, "Excuse me." And this woman, they are not getting baptized. That's my husband and my son. We're Catholic. And man, it was tense in that church. It was thousands of people. And the pastor, just real quick, he said, uh, John, you and the boy getting baptized? Yes, sir, we're getting baptized. And the whole church just exploded into cheering. And they're walking, it's like, yeah, stoner, stoner. And, you, know, it was, you know, the love of God was there. And boy, it was friction. It was a scene. But we saw a man take the lead. I'm getting baptized. My boy is too. Now I remember the pastor just real tender at the end of the service. He said, we had fun. I'm glad the, the, the man and son got baptized. But he said, just remember, he's got to go home to her. But thank God he took the lead. You can be a loud leader. You can be a quiet leader. But the leader's got to lead the family. We're going toward the Lord toward the church, toward God's will, toward soul winning, not away from it. And then I think I'm done with this last statement. Start spreading the good news. Don't spread the bad news. Boy, we're good at that. Spread the good news. First time this has ever happened, I was knocking on some doors. You ever discover like a new place? like, oh, I found this area. And someone says, well, I've been there. (laughs) Nothing's new. So I'm knocking on these doors, and I told Brother Berto, I said, man, I'm on. He goes, oh, yeah, we've already been there. And so I knocked on this door, and it was, it was just me and the Lord. And this lady had a cell phone in her home, what well, not in her home, but in her hand when she opened the door. And I said, I'm from the church, and I invite people. She said, what kind of church? And I told her, and I told her where. And then the person on the phone that's on speakerphone, she said, Well, why are you going door to door? I said, well, it's commanded. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, what's the gospel? I said, the gospel's the good news. She said, what good news? So I'm talking on this speakerphone. I said, the good news that Jesus is God and came to the earth and loves us and died on the cross and rose again and we can be forgiven. I've never had anyone at the door say, what's the good news? But inside of people's hearts, people are asking, what is the good news? We do have good news to give our city and the bus routes and the surrounding cities and our mission. We have a lot of good news to give and it's all in the Word of God. Let's end the war here and here and here So we can get in the real battle spiritually against the devil and those forces and rescue the perishing and snare those out of the snare of the devil and tell them about real life. The ceasefire, it can cease starting tonight.